This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. just together, Lord, but whenever you meet with us. Thank you, Lord, that you are not distant, you are not far, but close to us. And you are the rewarder of those who diligently seek you. And so this morning we ask, Lord, that you will come and speak to us. Lord, grant me the grace to share your word in a way that reflects you and not man. We ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. We had an amazing Awaken event. Who was there? It was just so amazing to hear the testimonies and to see the excitement. And also for those who helped behind the scenes and participated, it was such a great joy to see so many find their place and do their share in the body to see it grow and edify itself. And, and that's really the theme on which we are um, pondering, meditating, and sharing around this God's heart for us as church, preparing ourselves as the bride for His return. What does that look like? And um, we're just going to start again reasoning Ephesians chapter 4. Um, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed and fro by the waters and carried about by every wind and doctrine, by human cunning, by craftness in deceitful schemes, but rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which is it equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself in love. And I just want to commend you ladies for that. It was just a glimpse of that, just seeing so many different people contributing to a successful um, encounter with the Lord. And um, we've been sharing around the unity of the faith, this concept of preparing ourselves un until we come to that place of maturity. It starts off with our unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of of the Son of God, until we come to this place of maturity in Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed and fro by every wind and doctrine, but that we may grow up into all things into Him who is the head. And, and so we've been exploring what is that what we believe? What is the unity of the faith? What is the basics, the foundation on which we build and grow? And so two weeks ago, we started off with who is God? What do we believe about God. And then last week, Pastor Werner shared about what we believe about man, who is man, and our purpose. And we were just touching on a few things. Um, God, apart from being almighty and perfect, holy, is also relational. God is love, and, and, and He created us in His image and likeness 
for relationship, for love, to love Him and to love each other as an expression of Him. And this morning, I want, I want to continue with a least exciting bit. I want to talk about sin. What do we believe about sin? And sin is one of the fundamental beliefs, the basic foundations on which the gospel stands. The gospel is not good news without an understanding of sin and the gravity of it and the consequence of it. It's the more we understand sin and its consequences and the gravity of being sinful in the presence of our holy God, the more we value and appreciate the grace that we have to be saved and redeemed from the consequence of it. And so this morning I want to share a less exciting bit about what sin is. You know, sin in its core is the expression of the opposite of who God is. God is holy and sin is that what is unholy. Sin is more than just missing the mark, the standard of God. Sin is rejecting who God is. We reject God either through unbelief, disobedience, or acting unlike God. It's called sin. As a matter of fact, 1 John 1 speaks about this great um, contrast between light and darkness and, and in the context of who God is. It says here, this is the message which we heard from him and declared to you that God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Now, it's very interesting, first sin expressed itself for the very first time in the universe, not on earth but in heaven, when Satan was filled with pride. And so, sin first expressed itself in pride. When Satan, as the archangel, created for worship and to lead the heavenly host in worship to God, started to feel better than everyone else. And so pride crept into his heart and he did not just want to lead worship, he wanted to be worshipped. He saw himself better than others and wanted the pride and the glory for himself. He wanted to be God. And so he rebelled against God's authority. And was cast out. And then we see in humanity the first expression of sin finds itself in disobedience. We read in Genesis chapter 3 from verse 1, and, and, and Satan said to the woman, Has God indeed said that you shall not eat of every tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God said, you shall not eat of it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God knowing good and evil. And so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food 
and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. I know what God said, but there's an alternative. You will not die was the devil's alternative. You can eat of it. God says, do not, but I'll give you an alternative. And so we are introduced to the father of lies. And the question was, who are you going to believe? Am I going to believe what God said or am I going to believe what Satan said? Who am I going to follow? Who am I going to bow my knee to and submit to? Here's the bait. You can be like God. You can decide for yourself, choose for yourself what is right and wrong. And by man choosing to embrace the lie instead of the truth. And what makes it so personal is that that choice was made from a place of revelation and understanding the truth. God revealed himself, spoke to man, walked with man. And so from a place of understanding and revelation of the truth, man decided to embrace the lie. Rejecting God's command was equal to rejecting God. Because sin is a personal matter to God. It is rejecting who I am. I gave you everything and life. And you chose to follow the devil. Sin resulted in judgment, a curse, separation from God, a corrupt nature, and ultimately death. That is what we believe about sin. Romans 5 verse 12 says, Therefore just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sin, we believe everyone sins. We inherited a sinful nature, a self-centered and proudful nature, which is opposite to the other-centered, humble nature of God. And so because we chose to follow another, we inherited his corrupt nature, and the nature of humanity got corrupted and reproduced its corruption. And so every single man that was born, every single woman that was born from Adam and Eve inherited that corrupted, broken nature that is self-centered, self-focused, and proudful. And so we all sin. Romans 3 verse 23 says, For we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And sin separates man from God. But it also leads to death. Romans 6 verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death. And it's not just a physical death. But eternal suffering in a place called hell. Not a lot of people want to preach about it. But hell is as real as heaven. It was not created for man. It was created for the devil and those who rebelled with him. But then man chose 
to align itself, to embrace and to follow Satan. What is hell? It is death in another reality, physically and real. It's called the second death. Revelations 21 says the following, And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexual immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. A terrible place. You do not want to go there. It is as real as heaven is real. It, has, it is as eternal as heaven is eternal. And God's desire is that no man, no woman, no child ends up in hell. Because it's not its purpose. Jesus spoke the most about hell than anybody in the Bible. As an example, and I'm not going to read them all because we might get very depressed. Matthew 13 verse 47 says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind, which when it was full, they draw it to shore and they sat down and gathered the goods into vessels. But through the bad away. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come forth, separate the wicked from among the just, and cast them into a furnace of fire, and there will be a wailing and a gashing of teeth. Heaven is as, hell is as real as heaven. The wages of sin is not only a physical death, but an eternal death in an eternal place of suffering. And every human being will stand before God and be judged according to their deeds. Whether they sinned or not. Revelations 20 verse 12 says, and I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things that were written in the books. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 9, it says, We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to which he has done whether good or bad, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. We believe in eternal judgment. Humanity's greatest dilemma, sinful man before a holy God. And the law, the law was given to us to show us what sin is. Romans 7 says the following, What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. 
For I would have known, I would not have known covetousness unless the Lord had said, you shall not covet. And so the law was given to us to show us what sin is, but also to teach us the consequence of sin and our need for forgiveness and salvation. If it wasn't for the law, we would not have realized how sinful we are and how desperate we are for salvation. Why do we need Jesus? Why do we need a Savior? Well, I'll tell you why. Because we are all sinners. And God is holy and judged. And judge. Just. God is holy and just. And he will judge every man and woman. Therefore, we are in desperate need of a Savior. Because if we stand before God based on our works alone, we will all go to hell. Therefore, the gospel is great news. <laughs> but if you don't understand that, the gospel is just, yeah, optional. Yeah, I'm glad it works for you. No, it works for everyone. <laughs> and without it, we will all die. I mean, the law not only taught us what sin is and its consequences, but our need for for forgiveness and salvation, the sacrificial system gave us clearly the consequence of sin. But also, the, the concept of substitution, that, that the consequence of sin is death. And something needs to pay for the sin. But by God's grace through the law, He gave us substitution that you can take an animal, lay your hands upon it, confess your sin, transfer it upon the animal, and it would be killed before you and sacrificed for your sin. Because the consequence of sin is death, and something has to die. But by God's grace, I will give you an animal. But the law in itself cannot save us. It's simply pointed to something greater. As a matter of fact, Hebrews 10 from verse, 12, from, from verse 1 says, For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never by these same sacrifices which are offered continually year by year make those who approach perfect. For if it could then... For then it would have not, for then would they not have ceased to be offered? For the worshippers, once purified, would have had no more consciousness of sin. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year, for it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. It is not possible. It is just a reminder of sin and its consequence. Sin and its consequence. And our need for a way out. We cannot save ourselves. Nor can the law. Because we have sin in our veins. We have a corrupt nature. We were born sinners. 
And by nature, driven by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life, this corrupt nature in us condemns us to death. And we cannot save ourselves. That's why Paul declares, he cries out in Romans 7 at the end, he said, who will save me from this body of death? And then he gives the answer, Jesus Christ. (laughs) That's why Jesus said, most assuredly I say to you, you must be born again because whatever is born of flesh is flesh. And it will not stand in the presence of God. Therefore, do not marvel if I say to you, you must be born again. So who and what can save us? Hebrews 10 continues, verse 5, Therefore, when he, Jesus, came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you did not desire, but the body you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. And then I said, behold, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do your will, O God. Previously saying, sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and offerings for sins you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them which were offered, which are offered according to the law. And then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away this first and he established the second. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Christ once and for all. There is only one way to be saved. And that is through Jesus Christ. He is the only way to God because he's the only one that satisfies God's righteous requirement For the law and for sin to be fulfilled. No one else. That's why Jesus boldly declares, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. Because nobody is perfect. Nobody was willing and able to do what I was able to do for you. Not Buddha, not Krishna, not Muhammad, no one. And a matter of fact, no one of them even claimed to be perfect. You can read it. None of these men. Even claim to be perfect, there's only one who is perfect. And that's Jesus. And that's why Jesus says, nobody can come to the Father except through me because I am the only one that can pay the price for humanity. And so it is good news. We are not bigots, fundamentalists. No, we are just believers. We're just believers in what God says about Jesus, who he is, and what he came to do. And yes, there's many alternatives out there, and and yes, we do not accept them because God rejects them. Because it makes no sense. In the context of what happened and who God is. And so there is only one way, and it's good news. Despite the fact that we are sinners, You know, Romans 8 says, For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, on account of sin, He condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And therefore Jesus said, Nobody can come to the Father except through me. 
If you have the Son, you have eternal life. If you do not have the Son, you have eternal death. Despite the fact that we are sinners, God's mercy, grace, and love towards us manifested in the incarnation when Christ, God himself, came in human form, perfect, because a perfect man sinned. It can only be a perfect man to die that can pay the price for that sin. And so Jesus was born perfect from a virgin. That's why Jesus was born from a virgin. He did not inherit the sinful nature of all of us. He was born perfect, came into existence perfect, like Adam was perfect, knew no sin. The difference is Jesus was tempted in every way and did not sin. And therefore, when he was sacrificed, he was perfect. And then he became sin for us. All our sin was placed upon him. He became the lamb that was sacrificed for us. And that is John 3.16. But I'm going to read from verse 14. For as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That is the good news. Someone was willing to die for you and me that satisfy God's holiness, his justice completely. Jesus did what we could not do. Jesus fulfilled the righteous requirements of the law. He had no sin. Jesus became the only perfect sacrifice for humanity's sins because he was not only perfect, he remained perfect, and Jesus paid the price for all humanity's sin. Therefore, we read Revelations 5 so powerfully. Gives us a glimpse to the reality of what Christ had done for us and why he is greater than any other prophet, any other human being that claimed to be anything. There's no one like him. He was equally God and equally man, perfect, and became man's representative before God and paid the price for our sins once and for all. And so we read, it says, And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll inside on and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? Who is worthy? Who is worthy to open it? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. No one. And so I wept much. Because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or look at it. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed 
to open the scroll and to loose its seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which is the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. And he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne, Now, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp of golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain, you were redeemed, you have redeemed us to God by your blood. And out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, you have made us kings and priests to our God. And we shall reign on the earth. And then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders. And the number of them were 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive the power and the riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing and every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the sea and such as such as are in the seas and all that are in them. I heard saying, blessed and honor, glory and power to, to him who sits on the throne and the Lamb forever and ever. And then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshipped him, who lived forever and ever. There is only one that is worthy. We were all dead in our sins. God is holy and just. And therefore, he cannot just oversee our sins. He cannot just sweep it under the carpet. Make as if it never happened. He cannot do that. He is holy and just. It had to be paid for. And yes, the good news. God paid for it himself. Salvation is by grace. It cannot be earned. We do not deserve it. It is freely given to whosoever believe. What does it mean to believe? That's for next time. But salvation did not come without the cost. And I want us to look at a, a DVD. A clip that gives us a glimpse of the cost. What it took for God to pay the price. Do we have that clip? Sin is a personal matter to God. And God dealt with it in a very personal manner. God came to us to be one of us. We did not really know what it would take to deal with our sin until Christ came to the earth.
it was no small matter for God to send His Son to pay the price that we could not. We did not know the full extent of the horrific price to be paid until Christ died on the cross. And we did not know if death could be defeated until he rose from the dead. I think it's enough. We didn't know until he came. And they could not predict, they could not portray it the way it looked because it was already an age restriction of 18. The director said we couldn't make it more real than that. It was worse. But it wasn't the suffering that was the worst price to pay. It was God Himself who is light and knows no darkness, who had to become sin and face His Father. That was the real cross. That was the real price paid for us, which we will never understand until we see Him. When we stand there and we hear those words, who is worthy? And there is no one. Sin leads to death, and someone has to pay for it. The good news is, it's not you and me. It's God Himself who humbled Himself to become sin for us so that by grace through faith, we can be saved. And it only takes a man, a woman, a child to believe. To believe what God says. That's it. If you humble yourself and say, God, I believe what you say about Jesus, that I am a sinner and I'm worthy of death, but you love me so much that you gave your son for me, that if I confess you and embrace you as my Lord and Savior, I can be free? Well, that's the good news. <laughs> for whosoever. Sin is a terrible thing. But God dealt with it in a very personal way. We believe in sin and its consequences. We believe in judgment between heaven and hell. And we believe in God's sacrifice for us by His grace to save us. I want us to read John 3, 16 to 21 in conclusion. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He who believes in Him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the darkness, but men love darkness rather than the light. 
because their deeds were evil. For everybody practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. Your love and forgiveness, if it was not for it, we had no hope. But yet, you love us so much. You humbled yourself to become the sacrifice for all our sin. Lord, we want to thank you for this great revelation of Christ coming to us, dying for us, redeeming us, being raised to new life as a seal of approval that, that the sacrifice indeed was sufficient and sealed us with your spirit so that we may know we belong and that we too can be free. Lord, we want to thank you for this amazing salvation. And God, how can we but respond by bowing our knee to you and worship you for this great salvation? And, and while our eyes are closed, I just want to give you an opportunity this morning to respond to him again afresh. But first, if you are here and you've never surrendered your life, you've never responded to this great act of love, I want to give you an opportunity to do so today because that's the purpose of it all. Is to surrender your life to Him and say, God, thank you. Thank you for saving me. I want to give you my life so that I too can be free. If that is you this morning, I want you just to raise your hand and say, Lord, here I am. I want to give you my life. Thank you for that hand. Is there anybody else? Thank you. Thank you for those hands. Is there anyone else? Father, I want to thank you for those who are making this bold decision today because it was worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it for you. It was worth it. And God is glorified every time a sinner repents. Heaven rejoices and worship Him because... You did it for them. You are such an awesome God. And I want to ask if there's anybody else here this morning that, that realized they have forgotten the cost. And they just want to recommit themselves to Him. Say, so God, I want to follow you afresh and new, Lord. I want you to fill me. Just respond to the Lord. Just while all the eyes are closed, just say, Lord, I want to I wanna return to you. It's just between you and the Lord. Father, I thank you for the hands that I come. You can drop them again. But just make a response to him. And I want to give each and every one of us an opportunity just to, in our own words, just respond to him. Just to thank him again in the context of our own sin to thank Him for His salvation and the opportunity we have to embrace Him and to live free of guilt and fear for that great day. 
want to give you an opportunity in your own words. Just speak to him. made a decision who are you going to believe who are you going to bow your knee to and who are you going to follow make that decision today renew it in your hearts every day (laughs) Father I pray that as we leave from this place We will but worship you every day and never forget what you have done for us until we see you face to face. May this be what defines us more than anything else. The decisions we make, the way we live, and the way we love, it's all because of you. Help us, God, to do it in such a way that it will bring honor to you. In Jesus' name, amen. This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. You are-